Voyage into the final frontier with Twin Cities Trekkies. Hosted by Wes Huntington and Mackenzie Flickinger. We talk about everything from the original series all the way to Star Trek Strange New Worlds and everything in between. Join us every Wednesday on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube. And as Spock would say, Live long and prosper. Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. Today, I am joined by special guest, Ayana Davis. Ayana is an autism advocate. She's also autistic herself. She's an author. She is a designer and a former choreographer. She has trained over 100 students and her work is widely popular. So Ayana, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me today. Can you start off by giving everybody a little bit of background about yourself? All right. Um, I'm an autism advocate and um, living and thriving with autism. I'm an artist and a children's book author and illustrator. Um, I have a background in theater and dance. I live and thrive with several chronic illnesses. So you're a theater and you've also been a choreographer and you've trained over 100 students. So can you tell us about that and your work is widely known as well? Sure. I started dancing. Well, I started teaching dance when um, I was about 14 years old. I I did it in several different places. I worked with um, a theater company and I taught dance within the theater company as well as assisted the head of drama. Um, My students and um, my dance group, um, they've been on national TV several times. Um, They've traveled all over the country. They themselves, some of them grew up to be dance teachers as well. I would say... um, I feel like their favorite performance was uh, would have been like all of their like shows that they did where they were giving back. Like if it was like a fundraiser for something, for like a charity or something, I would say those were like our favorite performances. Like they even topped like a national TV appearance because um to be as young as they were, they still had like a lot of empathy and they still cared for like people and cared for like others' feelings and didn't like to see people suffer. Didn't like to see people, see people in pain like myself. So um, I, I really admire them about, admire that about my students. So you also live with autism. What was that like growing up living with autism? Um, growing up, autistic. It was challenging. I'm going to be completely honest. It was very challenging. Um, I was undiagnosed. I did not get a diagnosis until about five years ago. So it was just always like, what's wrong with her? Why doesn't she talk to me? I said hello to her. She didn't say hello back. Why does she sit in the corner drawing all day? 
is she okay? Or, or she's rude or she's bad. Is she shy? So it was very strange and it was very awkward because I always knew I was different, but I say this all the time. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm just different. And my mind is just not wired like everybody else's. I'm, I'm not operating on the same um, system neurologically that everybody else's. So you say you got your diagnosis five years ago. I'm not sure how old you are, but why, why so late? What, what happened to make you want to go get things checked out and get the diagnosis and why so late? Um, it wasn't my idea to get it. <laughs> I was in the hospital for something else. Um, at the time, I was very withdrawn and um, I wasn't connecting with my doctors on any level for anything. So it was hard for them to treat me because for anything, because um, I just like had completely shut down. So that led them to believe that there was something else there, that there was something that wasn't caught early in my childhood. So they decided to do a full evaluation. Um, the evaluation came back and I sat down with my treatment team and they were like, um, has anybody ever told you that you might be on the spectrum? I told them, yes, um, just a regular therapist that I saw weekly you know, just mentioned it casually. Um, you sound like you might be on the autism spectrum, but that was the end of it. That was all I, that was all I heard of it. He never said anything else about it. He never gave me any resources to find out anything else. So I didn't think it was that serious. So I just left it alone and moved on with my life. So it wasn't my idea to like go seek a diagnosis or go seek what was different or like everybody says, or go seek what was wrong. It it just happened unexpectedly. When I received the diagnosis, I was not shocked, not surprised. It wasn't what I expected to hear. And I wasn't happy about it. But with all that being said, I was very relieved because I now knew why I was different and why my mind works the way it works and why sometimes my mind doesn't work the way others would say it needed to work. Well, since your diagnosis, what kind of, if any, treatments or how have you changed in, in the way that you're doing things now? Um, I love myself more because not knowing about yourself and not understanding yourself can lead to self-hatred. So I love myself more because I understand myself more and I know why I understand myself more. Some of the therapies that I've seen since had, since learning um, that I'm autistic, it has been CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, DBT, which is dialectical behavior therapy, and I might have said that wrong. Of those two therapies, I would say the CBT worked better for me because it taught me to be more mindful. I just find that when you're more mindful and you focus on each moment, you're less anxious you're not driving your own self crazy. You're not driving those around you crazy. So for me, like the CBT therapy has worked and benefited me the most. Um, a lot of people do ABA therapy for their autism. For me, that that's just not for me. Everybody's different. You have to find what works for you. But I also do things like um, I meditate and um write in a gratitude journal because that's therapeutic for me also. So speaking of writing, you're also an author. So 
tell us about your books and tell us how you got into being an author? Um, sure. Um, it wasn't, hmm, I've always drawn and I've always, I've, I was, I did art shows as a child. So I've always, my entire life, I've always done some type of art and I was always involved in some type of art, whether it was theater, whether it was dance, whether it was painting, whether it was drawing, always some type of art. So um, I just, I just, you know, sometimes I just get, get an idea in my head and I'm like, hey, I want to do this. So one day I got an idea in my head and I was like, hey, I want to I write my own book. So um, I wrote my own book, my first book. It actually, I wrote the first book to match a calendar that I did. It's no longer in production. That's the only reason why I'm not saying the title of it. But the first book I did, I did it to match a calendar that I had out. And um, it just, it did really well. And like, I didn't really have expectations for it. It was just something that I wanted to do and it exceeded expectations. And um, after I did my book, I started to get a lot of requests to illustrate books for others. So I started illustrating for other people. I've illustrated 17 books and that includes my two books that I authored. Um, the latest book that I illustrated is called My Melanin and it's by a beautiful young lady her name is Renita Pagan, and it is now available on Amazon. Just go to Amazon and type in My Melanin, and it should pop up. My latest book that I authored will be out this fall. Do you feel like Black women get the same treatment and services as other autistic individuals in your experience? If so, why why not? No, I don't. I, black women absolutely do not get the same treatment as other people in the autism community because one, there is a myth that black women can't be autistic or are not autistic. Um, and I feel like black women are the forgotten community within the autism community. So it's just like um, the resources and the services that are offered to other people, like offered to like white people or little white boys, because, you know, little white boys are like the face of autism and that definitely needs to change. But I do feel like black women are the forgotten community within the autism community because the medical industry in general don't, does not protect black women, does not look out for black women. So you look at something like autism, which you don't, a black face doesn't pop in your head automatically when you think of autism and somebody being autistic. So uh, I, I def definitely, black women do not get the same treatment as others. How do you feel about diversity and inclusion in the entertainment industry? Um, I feel like they're trying, but they need to try a little harder. A few shows that I feel are doing an excellent job and have done an excellent job is The Good Doctor that stars Freddie Highmore. I believe he has also produced a few episodes. He does, he plays Dr. Sean Murray very, very, very brilliantly. And he does it in a way that is non-mocking. Claus has an autistic character named Dean. The actor that plays him portrays him very beautifully and non-mocking. And he's also black, that's a plus. There is a way, because people, feel like there's not a way to do it that's not mocking. Yes, it can absolutely be done. Sia did a movie called Music about a nonverbal autistic girl. And 
it caught hell in the autism community because it was done in a very mocking way. I didn't watch the whole movie, but the clips I saw were disgusting. I was like, wow, I, I can't believe that like so many people saw this and said it was okay to put this out. So like, I'm very big on inclusion. I'm very big on diversity and being fair. I feel like if you can hire a non-autistic actor to play someone who's autistic, you should be able to hire an autistic actor to play someone who's not autistic or to play someone who is autistic. So for me, it's about um, being fair and don't exclude somebody just because they're different. You mentioned earlier that you live with several chronic illnesses. How do you manage to keep a positive attitude despite your chronic illnesses? Um, I'm, well, I'm a naturally happy person, but I'm big on faith and I'm big on gratitude. So, and I, I learned that, um, you know, opening your eyes every day, that's a new opportunity to feel joy. That's a new opportunity to share joy. That's a new opportunity to let others feel your joy and you feel the joy of others. So you have to remain grateful. Um, if you put gratitude like in the front and center of your life, everything will come easier. Things will be easier to understand. Things will be easier to deal with. And you'll just have a different outlook on life. You also have seizures. Can you tell yes. us a little bit about your seizures and, and why you have them? If you know why, is there a certain diagnosis? Um, I have grand mal seizures and I also have nocturnal seizures. I may have had them before 2013, but 2013 is when I was diagnosed with having them. Um, I've had over two, well over 200 seizures. The worst part for me is how it makes the people that I love feel. I can handle it. I'll be fine. But I don't like my friends being scared. I don't like my family being scared. I know that I'm I'm going to be okay. Like, you, you have to tell yourself and you have to believe yourself that whatever happens, you're going to be okay. And that's me. That's, that's how I feel. So, you know, I just take it in stride. It's not easy. I do take about 40 pills a day. I'm on a lot of medication, but it just comes with the territory. You want to live your life to the fullest. You got to, some things you're going to have to do that you may not like. Are there any upcoming projects that you're working on? Anything that people need to know about? Um, just my book that'll be out this fall for now that I can talk about. <laughs> okay, well, how do people get in touch with you? Throw out your contact information. If you have a sure. website or, or social media links or anything like that. Yes, I'm all over the place. Um, if you want to just, um, I'll just start from the top. <laughs> I am on Instagram, Phenomenally Autistic. I'm on Twitter, Phenom Autistic. I'm on TikTok, Phenomenally Autistic. I'm on YouTube, Phenomenally Autistic. My email address is phenomenallyautistic at gmail.com. All right. And do you have a website? Is there phenomenallyautistic.com? No, not yet, but we own that. <laughs> All right. Well, do you have any final thoughts for people before we close it out? Um, I would just say to... Always remember that um, God's going to have your back, even if it feels like he don't have your back. And to remember to listen to God, like you can absolutely put yourself in a worse situation by not being where God told you to be. So just hold on to your faith and 
keep God in your life and keep gratitude in your life. Ladies and gentlemen, phenomenally artistic, Ayana Davis. Ayana, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. And listeners, please be sure to follow, rate, review, and share after listening. And if you're an Android listener, go to the Google Play Store and download that Living the Dream with Curveball podcast app. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream. dream.